Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you all this morning. I'm Pastor Nancy, and I get to tell you about a cool thing coming up in the life of the church. Um, many of you may remember retired General Superintendent Dr. Jerry Porter. Well, he will be here in three weeks as our speaker for a very special Faith Promise service. That's August 1st, three weeks from today. And some of you may not be familiar with Faith Promise, and some may, but Faith Promise, what is it? Uh, Faith Promise is a time when we focus on what God is doing around the world. Um, it, it's a way of raising funds to um, help reach the world for Christ. And we do this by asking you to prayerfully consider making a pledge, which is really between you and the Lord, um, and to, which is to faithfully give, whether it's weekly or monthly or annually over the course of the next 12 months. Now, pledge cards are in the pew racks, and that's just a tool for you to use. There's, there are no names <laughs> that you need to put down or anything like like that. But every dollar that you give goes to the World Evangelism Fund to help fund ministry around the globe to fulfill the Great Commission. And so that is coming up in three weeks. And right after that very special service will be a cookout here at the church. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, hamburgers and hot dogs, games, moon bounce, rides, um, and a pie the pastor, a pie a pastor in the face event. Now, some of you may have seen that little setup out in the foyer, and I heard a little birdie told me that Pastor TJ loves pie. <laughs> Just paying him back. <laughs> So keep August 1st in mind of what you may want to pledge and who you may want to see get some pie on that day. So today we are in our second Sunday of this series called Formed. And my question for you is, is there anyone here who likes to collect old junk? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, and I'm not talking about stuff like clutter in the living room. I'm talking about st stuff that's, that's old or unique or very unusual. Maybe it's stuff from a bygone era. Uh, maybe it's, it's stuff that has been just set aside for decades. And many of you might be familiar with a TV show on the History Channel called American Pickers. Yeah, a lot of people like that show. Um, Frank and Mike, these two pickers, they travel all over America, foraging through barns and yards, picking through junk. And how many of you know the term they call that, that stuff? Rusty gold, right? I love the way Mike says that. It's rusty gold. I can't say it like he does. But where others see dilapidated sheds uh, filled with junk, these two pickers see potential gold mines filled with rare treasures. Uh, they, they are finders and rescuers, you could say, of, of things that I'd never notice, like a, an old Texaco sign or a dust vase or a rusted bicycle, but they find treasures that are buried under rubble, which are flawed on the surface, but which, with the right amount of TLC, can be incredibly valuable. Have you ever known someone with that kind of eye? 
They, they see value. They see potential in, in things that others wouldn't notice. Uh, there are athletic scouts like that. They spot um, a young athlete, and, and they see hidden potential. Uh, and before long, a, a sports dynasty e emerges. Or they're entrepreneurs with that kind of eye. They, they see a product that others wouldn't notice, and then before long, cutting-edge companies are formed. But better than anyone else in history, Jesus had that kind of eye. He, he is, you could say, the ultimate picker, the finder and rescuer of, of things imperfect. Um, he had an uncanny ability to, to look past the obvious flaws in a, in a person's life and envision who they could be if the power of God were released in their lives. I picture him looking at Mary Magdalene, this demon-possessed outcast who would later become a godly worshiper. Or Simon Peter, this, uh, this faithful, uh, impulsive fisherman who would later become a disciple. Or Zacchaeus, a crooked tax collector who would later go on to be a generous giver. And you look throughout the New Testament, the list goes on and on. But no one's transformation amazes me more than the Apostle Paul's. Many of you remember the Apostle Paul, formerly called Saul, well, Saul, we find him in the book of Acts in chapter 9, where we'll be reading from in a little bit. But he was undoubtedly one of the most zealous young Jews around. One day, he and a group of uh, companions were headed to a town called Damascus, where they were <laughs> determined to wipe out the remaining members of the way, which are Christ followers. He, as far as he knew, Jesus was already dead. And so the only thing that remained was for him to capture the last few followers and bring them in and put this whole Christianity thing to an end. So the group is riding along when suddenly a, a blinding light appeared from heaven and knocked Saul to the ground. In Acts 9, 1 through 4, it reads this way. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if any there belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners into Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul was not a nice person. <laughs> he was a bad guy. <laughs> I mean, putting it mildly, in today's terminology, he would be considered a terrorist. He is someone who believes so strongly in his religion that he is willing to arrest, beat, or kill anyone who believes a different uh, a religion that's different from his own. To emphasize, uh, the writer of, of Acts, Luke, even states that Saul was so heartless, he even states that, that he was after both men and women. And it's, it's, he's pointing out that Saul didn't care if he took fathers and mothers away from their children. I mean, he had such an intense hatred for Jesus and his followers that, that he considered any suffering to be justified. I wondered, how do you think the believers in that day viewed Saul? <laughs> 
I imagine that they thought that Saul was the least likely person who would ever come to faith in Christ. Last person on the earth. So let me ask you, who on planet earth would you say today is someone that is the last person that you would think would come to a place of faith in Christ by, say, the end of 2021? Maybe, maybe they have a zealous hatred for, for Christians. But who is someone uh, that you'd look at and you'd say, zero possibility. There's no way that they would come to a place of faith in Christ. Maybe there's been somebody that's been on your prayer list, but you're not praying for them anymore. Maybe you used to pray for them, and now in your mind's eye, you've kind of stamped unsavable over them unsalvageable, <laughs> lost cause, right? I mean, it doesn't seem possible that they would come to a place of faith in Christ. Who has fallen off your prayer list at this point? Because the reason I ask is because there was likely no one in that day who was praying for Saul. Not Peter, not James, not John. I imagine they weren't praying for Saul because he was a terrorist on a, on a zealous mission. But look at what happens. He's encountered by Christ. It says, Saul falls to the ground, and he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then it picks up, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. I'm always amazed when I read something like this because it reminds me that God has a way of getting our attention. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's a still, small voice. Sometimes it's a whisper. Sometimes it's a bump. <laughs> and sometimes he knocks hard. <laughs> and for Saul, someone bent on destruction, I think a knock to the ground sounds just about right. But sometimes we have to be knocked down before we look up. Sometimes I've talked to people who are at the early stages of their walk with God, and they'll, they'll share how they've just been en route somewhere, doing normal life, and it seemed like God was just impressing something on their heart. Or, or things happen in their life that cause them to, to think about God and to think about um, maybe reflecting on their lives. Or they think about buying a Bible or connecting with a church. And sometimes they'll describe these things, and I'll say, now, now, do you think that's just random? <laughs> do you think that's just coincidental? Or do you think that maybe God's trying to get your attention? Because often that's what God does. That's often how he works. I mean, if you're here today, it's not just random, coincidental circumstances. If you're here today, there's a reason. If you're watching online today, there's a reason. If you've been seeing things coming into your life lately, perhaps there's a reason. It may be that God is knocking. 
One Sunday while we were pastoring in New Paltz, New York, a lady came to the service who I'd not seen before, and she, she explained, she said, someone from this church came through the toll booth where I was working, and they handed me a cupcake. <laughs> And a conversation began from this cupcake where she discovered that our church had just held a birthday party for a couple. And she said, any church that would do that is a church I want to come to. <laughs> she came to see the kind of church that throws birthday parties. A cupcake at a toll booth sounds so random, and yet it wasn't random. The truth is, we need to be walking around with one ear open to heaven all the time, saying, God, what are you saying to me? What are you leading me to do? Regardless of where you're at in your walk, whether you're a seeker, you're, you're new in your faith, maybe you've been growing in your walk, God still speaks. He is a speaking God. And he's looking for people who will listen and respond. And in our story, God finds Ananias. In the next passage, it says, In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. <laughs> yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people in Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Saul is lying there. And while he is, God looks and sees Ananias a few blocks away. And God whispers, hey, Ananias, go to a house on Straight Street. There's a guy lying there. Just give him the words that I want you to tell him. And I'm always amazed when I see that Ananias is trying to tell God what he may have missed. <laughs> hey, God, I don't know if you missed the memo. <laughs> this is a bad guy. <laughs> you know, it's like he's trying to bring God up to speed. He's saying he, he's come to destroy the church where I attend. I mean, you aren't serious right now, right? <laughs> And I love God's response, go. And, and that's what Ananias did. He says, Brother Saul, you are a chosen instrument. God has chosen you, and he wants to use you to be a vessel through which he can flow. He was chosen you. He wants you to be a carrier of his name around this world. And you know, that's what God says to us. Carry my name. Be a vessel through which I can flow. Be a carrier of the only name and the only message that can transform a life. Carry it in the marketplace. Carry it in the neighborhood. And, and it's such a privilege because one day you carry it to someone who has an open heart. One day you, you'll carry that message right into someone's heart. And for all eternity, they'll be so thankful that you carried his name. 
It says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I find it so interesting. Historians tell us that there was likely just one dynamic, vibrant church in the town of Damascus. It was vibrant enough that it was on Saul's radar. He had heard about it and went to attack it and arrest the leaders there. So think about it. This guy, here he is now, this man Saul, later called Paul, he wants to be baptized. Historians think that he was baptized in the very church that he had come to destroy, Ananias' church. Saul the persecutor becomes Paul the apostle. Antagonist becomes ally. Foe becomes friend. That's the power of God to transform a life. Jesus had that same um, kind of vision regarding people's lives. And to every one of them, the promise was the same. The old can become new. The weak can become strong. The fallen can be restored. The prideful can be humbled. Derelicts can become disciples. <laughs> Rust can become gold. And that's how he wants us to see what's precious and full of potential all around him. I mean, imagine as we walk around our community, our neighborhood, our homes even, that we look at people envisioning what they could become in the hands of God. So my question is, who might God be placing in your path this week? Who might you need to encourage? Who might you need to make time for? God is already at work, the ultimate picker, <laughs> the one who's the, the finder and rescuer. He's preparing the way. We get to be like Ananias, who shows up and helps them along in their journey. I want to close with this passage from the Apostle Paul. Years later, he would say this. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and we could also add transform lives, of which of whom I am the worst, he says. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. <laughs> it's amazing what God can do when he takes hold of a life. <laughs> Let's pray. Gracious Lord, <laughs> we are amazed as we've sung worship songs this morning and thought about the transformation of the Apostle Paul, we truly believe that you are able to above and beyond all that we ask or even imagine. And so today, Lord, you know the things that we deal with. Perhaps, Lord, there are some listening here this morning or online who would say, I have sensed God drawing me to himself, and I have to just respond and raise my heart to him and say, yes, Lord, 
give me the courage to do that, to, to begin a true work, a God work in me. Lord, help us to be courageous, to take that step. And for, for others, maybe they've been walking with you a long time and, and they just say, God, you know the area in my life that I need a real miracle. I need a work of your grace. I need a transformation. Perhaps it's a, a friend or family member that they're concerned about. Lord, help us to remember that you delight to tra change us from the inside out so that we can become all that you desire us to be and have real life in this life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.
Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to serve you, to be yours, and, and to imagine that you, O oh God, could be whispering your direction to us that we might hear and respond and, and be a vessel through which you could flow. And Lord, I know today that there's some perhaps who uh, need um, a special touch from you. You're empowering for their lives, for true transformation. And today, O oh God, may we take that step towards you. And just allow you to work in us. And thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Thank you for turning uh, rusty things into gold. <laughs> for making something beautiful out of, uh, out of our loss, out of our pain, out of suffering, out of our past. And for the new things that you delight to do. And so we thank you. Let us be courageous to allow you to work and looking forward with anticipation at what you will do. And I thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Have a great week, everyone. God bless you.